Welcome to A Legacy of Preaching with Dr. Bill Burr. For one to have a legacy of faithful preaching, they must love God, love God's truth, and love to preach His truth. Dr. Bill Burr excelled in all of these areas, and he has certainly left us all a legacy of faithful preaching. Now, let's all tune in for this great message from God's Word with Dr. Bill Burr. Get your Bible out. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. I want to share some things with you tonight about bearing the cross of Jesus. I have several verses that I'd like to read and share with you tonight from the Word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Hold your finger there. We'll get there in just a few minutes. But I, I want to read some other verses to you, several verses in different places in the Bible. And if you'd like to turn there with me, turn to Luke chapter 23, please. Luke 23, and look at verse number uh, 26, if you will. Luke 23 and verse number 26. And as they led him away, they laid hold upon one Simon, a Cyrenian, coming out of the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And then in Matthew chapter number 27, would you look back to Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 31 and 32. Now don't worry about the time. I know what time it is. It's 20 minutes till 8 o'clock. We started at 7. We'd be out of here just a little bit after 8 tonight, okay? So don't worry about the time. You just pay strict attention tonight, and I trust that this is going to help some of you folk tonight better understand what it means to bear the cross of the Lord Jesus. Matthew 27, verse number 31 and 32 says, And after that they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. Again, in the book of Mark, chapter number 15, and verse number 20, please. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him and put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. And they compelled one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. And they bring him into a place called Golgotha, a place, the, the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of a skull. Now, this is bearing uh, the physical cross of Jesus. This is mentioned in the Word of God. Wouldn't you have liked to have been there that day and wouldn't it have been an honor to you to have been chosen out of that crowd of people that day to bear the cross of the Lord? And uh, the weight of it was so heavy, and they put it upon this man. Now, I personally believe when he got to Calvary's Hill, I believe that Jesus bore his cross. I really do. I, I have no doubts in my mind about this, but the Scripture is plain on this, that he fell, and uh, they reached out and grabbed a man by the name of Simon, and placed him under the cross, and he bore the cross of the Lord Jesus. Now, 
I want you to look in Matthew uh, now in chapter number 16 again, please, if you will. Matthew chapter 16 and verse number uh, 24, please. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now I want you to look also in Mark chapter number 8. We're talking about bearing the cross tonight. And I, I trust that this is going to help you better understand what it means to bear the cross. Mark chapter number 8 and verse number 34. And when he had called the people unto him, his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall it man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore will be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father and the holy angels. Now in Luke chapter number 9, please, and verse number 23 again. Luke number 9 and verse number 23. And he said unto them, all, everyone that was there, same people, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life, whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. But whatsoever he, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. Now go over to Second Corinthians chapter number 4, please. Second Corinthians chapter number 4. And I want you to look at verse number 8. I know that you have heard many times people talk about bearing the cross of Jesus. I've heard people who sat in wheelchairs most of their life. And other folk have said, well, that's their cross to bear. I've heard people before who had their arms and legs severed from their body and uh, there are people that come out of Vietnam like this and out of the second world war the first world war and many conflicts they come out have literally their their limbs blown from their body and many folk have said well that's their cross that they have to bear I've even heard it said sometimes you know when some woman gets a, a an ungodly man and marries him and he uh, he beats up on her, gets drunk and beats up on her. And I've heard people say, well, she's saved and that's the cross that she has to bear. Now, my friend, those are worthy things to do, all of them. If you serve God, 
with a man that's a drunk and beats you and you go to church in spite of this, that's honorable. Amen. If you serve the Lord and witness for him and you have to get around in a wheelchair, that's honorable. Amen. It's hard to do. I found that out. Being in this wheelchair has made me appreciate being able to get upon my feet and walk about. It's an honorable thing to serve the Lord when you are physically handicapped. But my friend, that's not what it means to bear the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every person here tonight is called upon to bear the cross of the Lord Jesus. Now, I believe it would be well tonight if we knew exactly what it meant to bear the cross of Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 4 and verse number 8, Paul says we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Now, if you have a Schofield Bible, or maybe you have another one, if you look in the center column reference, if you have one for it, in mine, there's a little V beside the word dying. Do you see it? Some of you that have a Schofield Bible, a little V. All right, look over in the center column reference, and literally that means putting to death, such as the crucifixion or the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, it is learning the secret. Now, you can look up here now. Bearing the cross involves learning the secret of dying to self so that you might live unto Jesus. Now, that's important. I've had people come by me many times and, and just all riled up, and they said, boy, you know what? Old so-and-so didn't even shake hands with me this morning. What do you think of that? And I've often said, well, if you were dead to self, it wouldn't bother you. That's the secret of living a victorious Christian life. I mean, just keep on going no matter what happens about you. I made up my mind some years ago. Now, I appreciate the fact that I'm in a church tonight where people love God and where we uh, uh, we want to serve God and live for God in this place. And there's a wonderful freedom of spirit here in this church. I thank God for that. But bless your heart, if everybody else, Brother Cliff, if everybody here tonight just said, I'm not going any further, Brother Bill, it's too hard, and I'm not going any farther serving God, I'm going to turn aside by the grace of God. By the grace of God, let me say it again, by the grace of God, I intend to go on for Jesus. Now, circumstances never determine our joy. Amen? And so I'm saying to you tonight that when you learn to die to self, then you will be a victorious child of God. Amen? Paul said, I die daily. Amen? Brother Lester Roloff said that Paul meant I jump in the grave every day. 
That means that we crucify the flesh. That means that nothing in this world appeals to us any longer. And I admit to you tonight that I have not fully reached that point yet. Now I know you say, my, my preacher, that's a terrible thing to admit. Well, I suppose that most of you sitting here tonight are in the same boat. But I'm telling you tonight that that is my ultimate, that's, that's my determination by the grace of God is to lose every desire for the sinful pleasures of this world and of the flesh. Now when you learn to die, when you, when you bear about in your body the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you learn to fully crucify the flesh that you're living in, my friend, that's the first step towards becoming a victorious, successful, overcoming child of God. Many people are defeated tonight trying to serve God. Many preachers are defeated today because they judge their ministry in the light of other men. Listen. If I judge my ministry tonight in the light of Dr. Bobby Robertson in Walkertown, North Carolina, why well, I'd quit. I'd go somewhere and get me a job cutting meat, and I'd just give up preaching altogether because, listen, uh, he's got 25, 29, 3,000 people there in service. He'll have 1,500 tonight in his services. If I judged my ministry in the light of him, I'd give up. I've heard Dr. Jack Howes preach, and bless your heart, if I judge my ministry, Brother Cliff, in the light of what he's doing, and in the light of First Baptist Church, bless your heart, I'd get discouraged. I'd become jealous. We can't let that happen to us. Amen? Our ministries and our lives will be judged by Jesus. And there's going to be some awful big surprises when it comes time to judge people, we're going to think, my, my, these big-time preachers, they're the ones that are going to get uh, the greatest reward. When the truth of the matter is, probably somebody that you never heard of is going to step up and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And you'll wonder about them. Some missionary that served God on the Amazon River for 35, 40 years down there. Nobody ever heard about him. He never preached a, 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 a great sermon or anything like that. Nobody ever published his messages in the sword of the Lord. He never went to any preacher's conferences and got up and stood before the people and everybody talked about what a great preacher he was. But my friend, everything is based on faithfulness. Amen. And when we learn to die to those sort of things, and we learn to die to the things of this world, then we will have come a long way towards becoming a victorious child of God. Now I want you to realize tonight that bearing the death of Jesus and bearing the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ in this sense that we die to ourselves involves a responsibility it involves a responsibility to Jesus Christ. Now, five times, I'm not going to read these to you. You may want to write them down in your Bible. But five times he tells us 
that we're to go out and win souls. In Matthew chapter number 28 and verse 19. In Mark chapter number 16 and verse number 15. In Luke chapter 24 verses 46 and 47. In John chapter 15 and verse number 16. In Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 8. We're commanded to go out into the world and to win souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're responsible to Him when we realize that bearing the cross of Jesus involves us being responsible children of God to the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll become a better saint of God. Now, my friend, if you don't come to Thursday night visitation, that may hurt me. If you don't come to Saturday morning visitation, that may hurt me. If you don't witness, it may hurt me, and you may not want to do that. But if you ever stop to realize that it wasn't Bill Burr, I didn't say go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It wasn't Brother Bill that said that. It was Jesus Christ that gave a commission to the body of Jesus. And he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, where do you begin? Beckley. Amen, Brother Jimmy. That's right. We don't begin in Germany. We begin right here in Beckley. You say, well, are we not supposed to go to Germany? Yes. Are we not supposed to go uh, to Russia? Yes. Are we not supposed to go to China? Yes. But we're to do them at the same time. Amen. And we cannot reach souls on foreign shores until we have a strong base right here. But I'm telling you, we're responsible. And every one of us here tonight, we're going to stand before God and give an account unto Him. If you're not witnessing and winning souls to Jesus, bless your heart, you ought to be disturbed about it. I am. Do you realize tonight how long it's been? Now, we have people that come with us, and I thank God for that. Oh, I thank God for the two families that joined here this morning. But these are saved people. How many folk here tonight are saved? Hold your hand up. I mean washed in the blood. Would you hold your hand up high in the air? If you're saved, if you're saved and born again, put it up. Look around. Look around. Bless your heart. I don't care who he is. You can bring Lee Robertson, Jack Howells. You can bring John Rawlings. You can bring Billy Sunday in here. Bless your heart. I don't care how good a preaching it is. You can't get saved but one time. That's all. And if we don't have lost people, if we don't go out into the highways and hedges with a compassionate heart and compel them to come to God's house to hear the preached word of God, they're not going to get saved. I'm disturbed about it. Brother Ted Lilly said today they had three people saved. I said, oh God. Oh God, we didn't have anybody saved. Brother Larry Easler said we had two people saved today. And I said, oh God, we didn't have anybody. Bless your heart. Listen, they're, they're not going to come to you. How many folk have had an apple Jump in your pocket lately. Huh? You have to go and get it. I mean, if there's fruit out there, you got to go and pick the fruit. It'll not come to you. They'll not seek you out. Now, you give me chapter and verse on that. Huh? 
I mean, you find that for me anywhere in the Word of God. Listen, the New Testament church was a, was a church that was on the go. I mean, they were going and knocking on doors and spreading the gospel and going and bringing people to Jesus. What did old Andrew do? I mean, he heard, and Andrew sat down, and he said, Well, Peter's lost. He'll come and get saved. Is that what he said? No, sir. He went and he brought his brother to Jesus. Amen. Now that, listen, uh, that's the only way people are ever going to get saved here at Emmanuel Baptist. Now I like good singing and I rejoice and I have a good time and I love to come to church. But bless your heart, if we don't get interested in the souls of men and women and boys and girls, we're going to dry up on the vine. New life is what we need. Souls is what we need. I'm telling you tonight, my friend, we're responsible to God. And will you stand before Jesus Christ one day? There are people here in this congregation tonight. Now listen, hear me well. There are people here in this congregation tonight. You've been saved for a number of years and you have never, oh, you've brought some people to church. I'm not saying that. But you have never knelt beside someone and heard them pray, witness to them about the Savior, and see them born again into the family of God. It never has happened to you. Now, you know why it doesn't? Because you just don't go. I Listen, I've already told God, when I get able to walk around again and get on my feet, bless your heart, I'm going out witnessing. I'm going out knocking on doors. They're out there. Don't you think they aren't out there? They are. When that shepherd went out seeking for the sheep, he searched. How long did he search? Till he found him. Amen. I mean, listen, he didn't go for an hour and go home. He went out and he searched and he searched and he searched till he found him. Now, I'm going to give an illustration. I know some of you have heard it. But it blesses my soul, and I want to give it again tonight. Ms. Etta Headley, you remember her, Mrs. Burr? Oh, I think she was right at 80 years old. And I went out one day, and I'd had a dry season just like I've had here in this church. Wasn't anybody getting saved, and I made up my mind one day, bless the Lord, I was going to get me one if it took all day long and all night long. I made up my mind I wasn't coming home if it took all day that day and all night and the next day and on, I wasn't coming home. I was going to stay gone until I got somebody birthed into the family of God. I was that disturbed about it. I went out. I started that morning after my radio broadcast at, at uh, quarter till nine. By nine o'clock, I was out knocking on doors and visiting. And I went all day long past noon it was hot. I had walked and walked and walked. I'd given out tracts. I had knocked on doors. I mean literally knocked on doors for miles in the country. I'd ride and stop. I went all up in country roads and everywhere knocked on doors. I went through trailer parks where they were parked next door to each other, close by. I witnessed till noon. I didn't take time off to eat. I went on till 2 o'clock. 
3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock. Nobody got saved. I kept going, knocking on doors. I was so discouraged. I was down. I had wept and cried and prayed all day long. And I said, oh, God, if you don't give me a soul today, I feel like I'm going to die. And I walked up to a mobile home, and I knocked on the door, and nobody was home. And I started back out to my car, and over in the house next door, there was an old woman piddling around in a garden, flower garden. And I thought to myself, she's bound to be saved, anybody that old. But I just walked by, and I turned in, walked up her little old pathway out to the garden. And I said, uh, I'm Pastor Bill Burr, Pastor Grace Bible Baptist Church in Calio. And she said, oh, said I listened to you on the radio. It was so good to hear a friendly voice. And I said, ma'am, I'm out visiting today, and I, I want to just ask you, have you ever been saved? Brother, she, her eyes filled up with tears. They wailed out and started coming down her cheeks. And she said, oh, Brother Burr. She said, I've just been waiting here for somebody to come and tell me about Jesus. I said, ma'am, come on inside. And I went inside and sat down with her. And in no time at all, she had gotten saved. Brother I got in that LTD automobile. I thought I was sitting in a 747. I mean, listen, I, I, I just, oh, I was flying high. Now, you can have your cocaine. You can have your heroin or all those uppers that you want to get a hold of. You'll never get as high as you will after you lead somebody to Jesus. Brother, she came forward. I believe, how many children was it she had, Pastor? 17 or 18 children that she had, 80 years old, and I baptized her. I'm telling you, my friend, the only time you'll get people saved, listen to me very carefully, the only time you'll get people saved is when you get a burden on your heart and you go out there and say, I'm going to keep going. I mean, Jesus Christ, listen, he was the one. He said that the, the harvest is ready. Amen. I mean, listen, it's, it's past. It's past time. And he said, I wish you'd pray that, that the, uh, the Lord, the, 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 the master would send forth laborers into his vineyard. I mean, it's white out there. Sloss people everywhere. You don't have to go somewhere to find them. They're right next door. Right next door. Why don't you go out? It involves a responsibility to Jesus Christ. A man wrote a song one time, and it's in our book, I think. It says, Lord, help me to live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. Help me in all the work I do to ever be sincere and true and know that all I do for you must needs be done for others. Others, Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be. Help me to live for others that I may live like thee. Amen. Jesus Christ came into this world to die 
for others. And so I'm saying to you tonight, you have a responsibility to carry out what Jesus gave you to do. I had somebody ask me, and I'm going to say something tonight that uh, I believe with all my heart. And it's hard to say. I told a fellow the other night, I said, I believe that everything that is to be done is to be done through your church. Amen. Where your membership is. I've been, I've been preaching that for years. And uh, I said to him, I said, now, if you got five, if you came to me and honestly asked me a question, I mean, honestly, and I, I had to give you an honest answer of what I sincerely believe in my heart. If you said to me, Brother Bill, I've got $500 of tithe money. Where should I put it? And I told that man, I said, I'd probably choke on it. <laughs> I mean, it probably choked me to death. But if I told you what I honestly believe the Word of God teaches, I'd say to you, you'd better put it where your membership is. Amen? You better do that. I mean, listen, you have a responsibility to the church where your name is. Where you, where you wrote your name down and said, this is, this is the church where I'm going to serve. I'm telling you, you have a responsibility to your church. You have a responsibility to your family. To your family. I mean, listen, nobody else is going to win your children to Jesus if you don't do it. And they're the first ones to find inconsistency in your life. Did you know that? You can't fool your children. That's why so many boys, you ever heard this saying? Have you ever heard people say that the preacher's children are the meanest children in town? That's a lie of the devil. Bless God, my children aren't the meanest children in Beckley, West Virginia. Now, some preacher's children are. And I'm going to tell you some deacon. You know why the preachers are so bad? They play with the deacons, young. No, no, I'm just kidding you. But I, I'm telling you tonight, listen to me. Sunday school teachers, deacons, I don't care who you are. If your children turn out right, it will be because you live a consistent life before them. Now, you say, Brother Bill, what do you mean? Well, I could not tell my boy not to smoke if I smoked. I think my son and my daughters need to know why we don't do certain things. And I think you ought to be consistent in what you do. If you, excuse me, if you ever tell your child that you're going to whip them, you better do it. You better do it. Now, I'm getting a little bit lax in that in my old age. I reckon I'm just getting mellowing. That means I'm rottening. But I'm telling you, if they turn out right, you'd better be consistent. You have a responsibility to your family. Now, bearing the cross of Jesus and the death of Jesus in your life means that you have this responsibility. I want you to notice also that it means bearing a reproach in your life. Now, the word means severe blame mingled with contempt, the object of scorn, shame, or disgrace. Now, Jesus says the world will hate you. In 1 John chapter number 3, you need not turn, but look it up. If you live for God, the world is going to hate you. Paul said, therefore, uh, 
I take pleasure in reproaches. Amen. It's a joy to be looked at with scorn by the world. That means I'm living for Jesus. Huh? I had a lady call me last week, want to know that I want to get in this parade they had yesterday. And uh, I didn't take me any time to answer her. She said, you said all the churches around here are getting in that parade. Won't know if you want. I said, no, ma'am. No, ma'am, I don't want any. Well, she couldn't understand that. She thought I was a nut. She thought I, I'd flip my wig or something, you know. I mean, she told me, she said, well, we're, we're all Christians. I thought, now, I'm not so sure about that either. Amen. I mean, listen, the world's going to hate you. The religious crowd will hate you if you stand for this book right here. And the Lord Jesus means bearing a reproach. Moses said the reproach of Christ is greater than the treasures of Egypt. Amen. He wanted that more. Peter said if you suffer the reproach of Christ, happy are you. Now I want to tell you something. Doing right, living for God will cost you. That's right. We talk about living right and laugh and joke about it a lot. But I want to tell you, if you live according to this book right here, it'll cost you. It cost Paul had his head cut off, Brother Dennis. Stephen, he was stoned to death. James was run through with a sword. John the Baptist had his head cut off. Peter was crucified upside down on the cross. Not for any crime that they committed, but just for serving God and living for Jesus. Now, if you can get along with the world, now listen to me very carefully. If you live for God, you're going to suffer uh, persecution. Amen? If you can get along with the people at work where you live, if you can hear them tell their old dirty jokes, and you can wah-ha-ha and laugh with them, and, and they can bring in their old dirty books and so forth, and, and uh, you can get along with all that, and and you don't condemn it by your godly living, why, you'll get along. You sure will. But brother, if you stand for Jesus, you'll suffer a reproach. When I was cutting meat, a salesman used to come by there for Con's Packing Company. And boy, he he was one of these fellas that everybody just in the meat market, those that were lost, they couldn't wait for old Jim to come because he always had some dirty joke that he's going to tell them. And they just laugh, you know. And they, they told their joke one day, and I stand there cutting meat. And they always wanted to get around me. Isn't that strange? They want to come around a child of God to tell that old Phil. And they told an old dirty, dirty story. You know, he come in and said, I got a little story I want to tell you today. And everybody just laughed, and he got over there, and he told them an old filthy joke. And everybody just laughed. That is, everybody except me. I didn't crack a smile. And he got through, and I looked up at him. It broke my heart to see him. I, I mean, listen, so lost and on the road to hell. And God broke my heart, and I started weeping. And I said, fellas, I want to tell you a story now. And I said, it's an important story, and I want you to listen to me. And I said to them, I said, Jesus loves you, and he died for you. And he wants to see you saved. Now, brother, you talking about dispersing a crowd. That got rid of them in a hurry. 
I mean, listen, they wanted to get out of the way. They didn't want to, they didn't want to talk to me. But listen, Jesus is coming one day. We're going to give an account to him. Another time we were sitting there and I was back in the meat market and there was a ball game on and uh, World Series was playing. And they had brought down a television set. They were back in the produce department back behind the wall watching television. I mean, listen, everybody just about was back there. And I they put me out in the meat market. I was out there working. I wanted to be back there too, but I had a customer and I couldn't go. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming. And I, I'm trying to illustrate that point to you right now. And they were sitting back there and the World Series was on. And Mr. Dick Littlejohn owns community cash stores. And they could hear me. I mean, it wasn't anything but just a door right between us. And I got through with my customer and I walked over there and I stood there just a minute. Boy, they listening to that ball game and enjoying it so much. <laughs> and I said, uh, hello, Mr. Littlejohn. It's good to see you today. I'm so glad you come by to visit with us. Man, I'm telling you, you never saw so many carts. <laughs> it sounded like they were all scrambling back there and trying to hide. I'm telling you, it's going to be too late when he gets there. Amen. You won't find any place to hide when Jesus comes. You'll stand and you'll give an account unto him, every one of us. And I want to tell you tonight, I'm going to, you know, it's good sometimes to, James said this, I didn't say it. James said sometimes, it's good to confess your faults one to another. I got a little confessing I want to do tonight. I'm telling you, if Jesus came tonight, I mean right now, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I'm ready. Don't, don't have any fear about hell. I'll go to heaven. I won't tell you. I don't know about your heart. I, I can't look inside of your heart. But when it comes down to witnessing and living for God, like I believe these men in the Bible did, like old Daniel and Joseph, some of the others, if he came today, tonight, I'd go up just as sure as my name's Bill Burr. But I'll tell you what, I got a feeling, I know when I stand before him, I'd be ashamed of not doing more for my Savior. I really would. I'd be ashamed. I've often asked the question, how many of you ready to go right now? And just multitudes of hands have been raised over the years. People said, I'm ready to go right now. But bless your heart, I know human nature. I know people. And I know if I had to stand before him today, I'd weep and cry and I'd say, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. There were times when I watched a ball game that I could have been out handing out tracts. There were times, dear God, when I read the newspaper when I could have been reading my Bible. There were times that I could have gone on visitation at my church, but I didn't do it, Lord. Now, he knows all that, but my friend, we're going to have to stand before him just as sure as we're sitting here tonight. We're going to have to stand before him. And when the trumpet sounds, it's going to be too late to straighten it out then. You better get it straight now. You better get it straight now. And I promise God, oh, I promise God, every time I get sick, I'm just as human as anybody else. And I promised God, and I said, Oh, God, if you'll get my feet straightened out for me, I'll get out and I'll witness and I'll walk and I'll talk for Jesus. 
I intend to do that by his grace. And folk, you'd better do the same thing. I'm pleading with you tonight. You'd better get out here and win some people to Jesus. Bring them to church with you. Amen. Amen.